couple weeks we've been in the resurrection and end of Luke's gospel. We're, we're t- this morning with Mother's Day, we're going to take a rewind. We're rewinding back to early on, right after Jesus' birth at Christmas. And uh, instead, we're going to find when Mary and Joseph are taking Jesus to the temple for a rite of purification, which they did after the mother had had her new child. And so they've gone to Jerusalem from Bethlehem to the temple, and we get into the story in the 22nd verse of the second chapter together. And this is how the story goes. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord, to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, you, as you have promised, you may now dismiss me, your servant, in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. you pray with me and for me? Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for our hearts. I pray for our lives. I pray for our mothers and fathers and uh, that we might grow as human beings, as parents, as moms and dads. And Lord, that you might speak into our hearts the strength and the courage we need to journey through the ups and downs and challenges of life, knowing that we live not alone, but in the midst of your love and presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, it is, it is Mother's Day, and uh, on this Mother's Day, I want us to turn our attention to this early story in Luke's Gospel, to find a new mom in the story, a teenage mom, Mary. Uh, Mary had probably didn't know what she'd signed up for. I mean, how do you raise the Son of God? 
how do you raise God's anointed Messiah? But yet she was kind of working it out like we all do, one step at a time. And in the story today, there are some lessons, there are some principles, and there are some promises that I want us to look at together in hopes that for our moms and our dads, for all of us together, that we can think about how we have tried to live out the role as parents. And so the first step in the journey is the step that Mary and Joseph chose to take that day. They chose as they went to Jerusalem for purification after her having a new son, a firstborn son. The tradition was that you would go to Jerusalem, and especially with the firstborn child, you would offer that child to the Lord in holiness uh, to be a blessing for God to use and to, to take and to do with as he saw fit. And that had been a heritage since back in the days of Moses. And so the first positive advice I can give to our new parents out there, our younger parents out there, our first-time parents, is that one of your best first steps, when you feel like you don't know what you're doing and you don't really know how to be a mom and dad and you feel like you're messing it up, one of the best first things you can do is bring your child to the Lord and say, Lord, these are the kids you have blessed me with. Will you take them and do something good with them? I'll let you have them, and I trust you with them to make something good of them. That's what Mary and Joseph were doing that day. And it's one of the best things we could ever do. For, for them, part of that ritual was circumcision. And in the rite of circumcision, Jesus became a part of the people of Israel, a part of the family of God, to, to be welcomed as a part of that spiritual and national family together as one who worships the creator of the universe. For us, you know, we don't have a temple, but we have the church. And as the church community, our opportunity is to bring our child forward in baptism at an early age, as that is being our offering to the Lord. And when the water uh, is on their head, blesses their life, we claim them for God. We claim them for salvation in Jesus. We claim them and raise them for God's family. And brothers and sisters, when you do that, there's no telling what God might do with our kids. There's no telling. And in some ways, we got to kind of watch out because God may take our child somewhere where he, we never intended them to go. Uh, for instance, in our lives as our family, our oldest, Lindsay, who graduated from Georgia Tech yesterday, you know, which, woo, we're proud about. <laughs> but uh, in Lindsay's life, it showed up, uh, we, we took her to Honduras as a middle schooler. And when we first moved to a new church in Jackson about eight years ago, uh, she was going into the 10th grade, and she didn't think it was very exciting to have to start over with a new school in Jackson. So she came up with this great idea hey, mom and dad, why don't you send me to Honduras to school for my 10th grade year? I would love to go to Honduras to school. We said, well, okay. And she had a blessed year that year, a growing year, a, a challenging year in some ways. She probably learned more in that year, not just about 
Honduras and Hispanic culture and all that sort of thing, but she learned a lot about life and having parents and not having parents around and all those things in that year. Uh, both her and her younger sister have then gone on and they've been on the world race. One for three months, Lindsay for nine months. In those nine months, she went to Nepal, India, three countries in Africa, and Ecuador in nine months. There is no telling what God will do when you begin to give your children to the Lord. I remember Will Willimon one time, who he was bishop in Alabama until he retired, great, one of the great Methodist preachers. Will Willimon shared one time that he had a dad come to his office one time and said, I don't get it. How have I messed up? I can't figure out what's going on with my daughter. He says, well, tell me what's going on. She, for some crazy reason, she doesn't want to be an attorney or a doctor or anything like that. She's got it in her head. She wants to go overseas and be a missionary. It's like, well, sir, didn't you bring her to the church for baptism as a child? Well, yeah. Haven't you raised her in the scriptures as a kid? Well, yeah. <coughs> didn't you take her to confirmation class so she could follow Jesus with her life? Well, yeah. Well, why are you surprised? that God has gotten a hold of her heart and life and wants to send her somewhere else in another part of the world. Brothers and sisters, you know, when we give our kids to the Lord, there is no telling what God might do. Now, that's not for everybody. Not everybody's going to be a preacher or a youth pastor or a missionary. Some are just, their call is going to be to be a great teacher, for instance. And here in our own community, one of our celebrations is this year with Rockdale County Schools, we have two, not one, two Teachers of the Year. Isn't that amazing? Both Lindy Donahue and Jennifer Duella. Let's go. You know, we, we can thank them. Right? And in their call on their life, it didn't lead to missions or ministry, but it led to making a difference and experiencing that call to impact students for Christ's sake. So I don't know what it'll look like. And it, some, it could be being a doctor or a lawyer. You never know. But there's no telling what might happen when we give our children to the Lord. What I do know, though, is when we do that, oftentimes God will speak back to us his blessing, his encouragement, his call and his purpose. We definitely see that here with Jesus' life, right? As at that time when they go to do this, uh, Simeon steps up. Perhaps he was one of the priests there. We're not quite sure. But Simeon steps up, and he had been longing and promised by God that he would encounter the Messiah and see him before his death. And so when Simeon encounters the baby Jesus, he takes him up in his arms, and he gives to Jesus a prophetic word. A word of promise and hope. And brothers and sisters, our next generation, our kids, our grandkids, our great-grandkids, whether it's from us or from a teacher or a Sunday school leader, we need our kids to experience for themselves a prophetic word of promise and hope that they can make a difference, that God is calling them in their lives. Now, not to be necessarily... Jesus, right? Jesus is the Savior of the world. But to be like Jesus and how they live their life 
and the values they take on and how they live for God's glory. And those words are often so important and can help spur our next generation on, like Lindsay, to be the best they can be. The, the speaker at Georgia Tech yesterday was the mayor of Atlanta, and he did a really good job encouraging those students that this is your call, this is your purpose, this is your promise, this is your hope. Take hold of it. And don't let anybody tell you, especially don't let anybody tell you, that you can't be it or do it or face it. And so that's the second hope that Simeon gained, that prophetic word of promise and hope. And with that prophetic word, it called Jesus into two destinies. And for some of our kids, maybe God might call them to both these destinies. For others, it's at least one destiny, I hope and pray, but maybe both. But the two destinies that Jesus was called to that morning by Simeon was this. One was that Jesus would be, will be, a world changer. That Jesus would be and will be a world changer. And brothers and sisters, here we are 2,000 years later, and, and, and we need some more world changers, don't we? And, and I want you to get this. Simeon had an insight here. Because back in those days, uh, Israel longed to be free. They longed to, to, to be independent of Rome. They longed to have their own identity and their own future and their own, uh, their own kingship. And so they really, they really hated being a part of the Roman Empire. I mean, they hated it so much, they went to war in 70 AD, and things didn't turn out well there, right? But yet Simeon here, he talks about Jesus being the glory of Israel. But that's not all. He says he's not just going to be a nation changer. Jesus is going to be a world changer. He's going to be a light to the nations. He's going to be revelation to the Gentiles. He is going to impact not just some people, but all people. And we need more people in our world today who are world-changing people, who have a heart and a desire and a passion to live for God's glory in a way that they are not just going to make an impact in their family, though that's great, or their community, though that's good, or even their nation. But we need people with a vision and a heart like God and like Jesus for how can we shape the world in a better way. That was Jesus' call. Now the second call of Jesus uh, in this is a bit harder, but it's still very important. Jesus also was called to be a revealer of hearts. He was called to be a revealer of hearts. And with this, uh, Simeon says that he is going to be a part of the rise and fall of many in Israel. And part of that, uh, people are going to see their hearts like they've never seen before. And that's one of the jobs of the prophet. The role of a prophet is to lift up the nature and heart and love and glory of God in a way that other people are captivated or confronted. They're either captivated or confronted in a way that it becomes clear that they've missed the boat or clear that they're on God's path. And that's what Jesus' ministry was all about. That's what going to the cross, uh, by and large, had a big degree on. The cross 
is to be for us a revealing of our heart and where we stand with Jesus and the God of the universe. Can we align our hearts with the one crucified on the cross? Or do we mock him, and rebel against him, and refuse him? Jesus came to reveal our hearts, and that's the role of a prophet. And so I don't know that there are many of our children who will fulfill that role. It's not an easy role to fill. It's often a very challenging role to fill. But I want to mention two for you that I think I see as modern-day prophets who God has called to this role in some way, shape, or form. I haven't really noticed any at the present time, but two in our recent past that I know of. One is probably Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King Jr., his ministry, his witness, his call for us to love one another, his call for us to give each other uh, opportunities to succeed and to be the best we can be, no matter the color of our skin, but instead based on the content of our character. Martin Luther King Jr., as we look back, he revealed our hearts. And are we living up to God's standard of loving our neighbor or not? Are we living up to God's standard of loving those who look different from us or sound different from us or have differences in culture for us or not? And for us, Martin Luther King Jr. has been a modern prophetic light who God used to help us see where we are as human beings. A second one I can think of is Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, right? In her life on earth, her ministry was to the poorest of the poor. Her ministry were to those that were dying on the streets of Calcutta. She would take in, she didn't care if you were Jewish, Christian, Muslim, it didn't matter, Hindu. If you were a human being, you had value, you had worth. It didn't matter if you were rich, it didn't matter if you were poor. She showed us what love looks like to the least of these. And then she'd say, go and do it in your family. Go and do it in your neighborhood. Go and do it in your community. She also had that prophetic call. Uh, uh, she, I found a quote. i got to read a, your Mother Teresa quote today. Um, it, it's a Mother's Day quote. Let me put it that way. Uh, moms and ladies, this is what Mother Teresa says about you guys. She says, the woman is the heart of the home. The woman is the heart of the home. And she says, let us pray that we women realize the reason of our existence. It's to love and be loved. And through this love, become, become instruments of peace in the world. It's through this love that we become instruments of peace in the world. And, and moms, you help us with that. But in our crazy, mixed-up world, we continue to need more help, don't we? To be those instruments of love and peace in our world. To be world changers is what she's saying. And so that's the two calls on Jesus' life. Those are the prayers that we pray for our children, that they would be world changers and that God would raise up those who can help show us where our hearts need to grow. Then, though, 
The next piece that Simeon gives is not an easy piece. It's, it's, it's one we wish, I wish I didn't have to talk about. But that's the piece that uh, Simeon gives is a word of challenge and greeting. He gives a word of challenge and greeting. He says to Mary, you know, with Jesus' role as world changer, with Jesus' role as revealer of hearts, the challenge with that is he's going to butt up his head against everybody else's head. And because of that, Mary, your heart will one day be pierced too. And here Simeon is, whether he knows it or not, is visualizing the day when Mary is standing at the foot of the cross, right? Looking up into the eyes of her son, as Jesus says, Mother, here is your son, John. He'll take care of you, my disciple. John, here's your new mother, my mother. You're going to take care of her. And as I share that today, I've known enough in life and a long life's journey as a pastor that some of you ladies out there, some of you dads too, uh, you have faced some challenges because our heart loves our kids. And we get, our heart is so bound up in the lives of our children. And when our children go through challenges, they don't go through it alone, right? We go through it with them. And I know some of you maybe, you've, you've maybe lost children early. They've died well before you wanted them to. Maybe it was uh, cancer. Maybe it was an accident. But I've seen a lot of hurting moms and hurting families because you've sent loved ones home and children home way too soon. If there's any hope or any encouragement, it would be that Mary has had that journey too. And if the Lord didn't spare Mary of the journey and maybe hasn't spared your life of some of that journey, our family, part of that journey has been living with two daughters with type 1 diabetes and one with Crohn's disease. You know, it's not, a, not an easy journey. But we do our best. You know, I, I think of my wife, Andrea. I think of my mom. They're the strength and core of our whole family. You know, you moms, you find strength in areas where us guys, I don't know that we can find it. So my prayer for you today is that even in the midst of the challenges you face with your children, with situations, with life, that in that journey, God is with you. In that journey with Mary, Jesus rose on the third day. His resurrection power and presence is available for our comfort and our healing. And even if we don't see that loved one right here, right now, we have that hope of being reunited in the kingdom with those we love and see no more at the moment. And so, brothers and sisters, today to our moms, uh, I finally want to close with what Simeon gave that day, and that was a word of blessing. Thank you, moms. Praise you, moms, for your love, for your care, for your fight, for your encouragement. Because you are often the one that holds family together in most cases. Maybe not every case, but most cases. And we give thanks for your lives today. I want to close with uh, one story of one mom who I, means a lot to me and, and 
as a Methodist, and that's the life of Susanna Wesley. Uh, as Methodists, uh, her son, uh, John and Charles, were the founders of the Methodist movement, and their movement has helped impact millions of lives of following Jesus over the years. Uh, but John and Charles wouldn't have been who they were without Susanna and their dad, Samuel, but mainly Susanna, <laughs> mainly Susanna. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Over the course of her life, she had 19 kids. Wow, right? But the challenging thing in that day and that age of the 19, only 10 survived to adulthood. They think she may have had two sets of twins that didn't make it. She had another child that one of the nurses that were working with her apparently accidentally smothered. And here's a mom who we see throughout the course of her life go through the death of child after child after child, yet still be a strong follower of Jesus. Still not only molded and shaped her kids, but she molded and shaped the whole community. She was doing Bible studies before women were supposed to be doing Bible studies. And uh, her husband kind of yelled at her for it, and she said, well, if you don't want me to do it, then you need to do it, and if you're not going to do it, then and God is blessing it, then let me do it. And, you know, she, she bent his arm enough that he said, okay, go for it. <laughs> Susanna, over the years, she'd given her kids to the Lord. She'd given her kids in such ways that she, with all ten kids, she made time, one time every day, to spend time with this particular child. On Monday it was one, on Tuesday it was another, throughout the week. She made sure she knew every child's heart and helped every child's direction. Remember, I talked about that prophetic word, right, of promise and hope. Well, John Wesley experienced that, I think, from his mom and family at the age of seven. At the age of seven, you see, uh, the parsonage caught on fire. Some people think the townspeople may have done it, and I can't go into all those details. But when the house was caught on fire, little John, seven-year-old, was up in the upper room of the house, stuck. Flames and smoke going everywhere, crying out at the window. The town had gathered around the bottom. He had to jump from the second floor and be caught, right, by the neighbors and saved. And from that day, his mom and his family told him, John, you're a brand that God has plucked from the burning. God has saved your life for a purpose. You don't think that made a difference to seven-year-old John Wesley's heart and life and call? So that as he got older, he knew, I got to go into ministry. I got to follow Jesus because God saved me at seven years old. And he has something to do with my life and faith that I don't know about. Brothers and sisters, all those things make a difference. Susanna lived a good long life. She put up with a husband that sometimes was a bit of a mess. Uh, he didn't often do a good job paying the bills, right? So he would sometimes, he was a preacher, but the preacher would sometimes be in jail because he couldn't pay his debts, and she'd have to look after the family. I mean, Susanna had a tough and challenging journey. Her mom's life was a little like Mary's life, maybe a little like some of your lives, but she found a way to stay faithful and to watch her sons be world changers. 
And one of the reasons why we know they're world changers is because we're here in worship this morning. We'd be somewhere else and not here if not for Susanna and John and Carl. And so today, moms, you're making a difference. Continue to love your family. Continue to shepherd your family. Know that the Lord is with you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, may I give you God's blessing. Be the moms you were created to be and the grandmothers and great-grandmothers for God's glory. And all God's people said, Amen. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and this hour of worship. Lord, we lift up our moms today. They often have been a huge blessing to our lives. They've shaped us in childhood. They've loved us when we were sick. They guided us when we needed help. And Lord, their love continues to sustain us. Father, bless them today. Help us to know that you call us to offer our children to you for a purpose. Lord, that you want to bless our kids with promise and hope. And Lord, that in this life we know that there are going to be moments of challenge, and even moments of grief. But Lord, in those moments, help us, like Susanna and Mary, to know we're not alone. That you'll help us through the grief and the tears to find joy find hope in you who made us and loved us and died for us. So we offer you our hearts today, and we offer you blessing upon our moms.